Welcome to the Teaching Behavior Together podcast, where I provide you with actionable steps for making your classroom management plan effective by incorporating behavioral and social-emotional learning activities into your daily teaching. Hi, I'm Maria, and I have 10 years experience in the field of behavior analysis. In each episode, I will be providing you with effective and evidence-based strategies you can use to create a classroom environment you want to go to each morning. No longer will you be driving home in tears over the overwhelming feeling of trying to manage student behaviors. So sit back, listen up, and start seeing success. and welcome to this episode of the Teaching Behavior Together podcast. Today we're going to be talking all about power struggles and more specifically how we can avoid power struggles in our classroom. I'm really excited because I know this is something that can be really complex to deal with in the classroom setting. I'm hoping that the strategies I have for avoiding power struggles will be really useful to you in your classrooms. So let's get right into it. First, let's talk about what a power struggle is. And a power struggle is when we are going back and forth with a student in an unproductive way. You might get into a power struggle about doing work or a disagreement about something. I often see power struggles around the quote unquote, the truth. Maybe a student says they didn't do something when in fact, you know that they did. I often see that unproductive back and forth occurring during situations like that. So today we're gonna talk about how to avoid power struggles. This is the best strategy. Avoid power struggles before you even get into them. Prevention is key. So these are the strategies that I have for avoiding power struggles to begin with. The first thing you can do is assess the situation. If a student is elevated in any way, I would avoid talking about the topic that they are elevated about. Say for instance, the student is frustrated with their work in that moment. Really anything you say can start a power struggle. Even if you say, you're working really hard, keep going. They might be so upset in that moment that they say back to you, no, I'm not. And then you might respond with some more encouraging words, some more encouraging prompts, and then it could just even further frustrate them. And they might just start to argue with you and you might get in that back and forth. Does this sound familiar? If a student is elevated, it is best to give them time and space to engage in a coping strategy. And then once they're calm, you can address that situation with them. You can provide encouraging words, don't get me wrong. It's just that if they start to engage in that back and forth, as the adult, you should stop that cycle and just walk away. You can also use visuals. And of course, because you've taught your students coping skills, you can also prompt them to engage in a coping strategy as well. So again, the first strategy is really to just assess the situation. If you see that a student is elevated or they're upset about something, then I would typically encourage you to use visual prompts or provide some sort of statement and walk away. So the opportunity for a power struggle is not even there. We want to make sure that our students are encouraged and they continue to persevere if they become frustrated or upset, but we don't want to start that back and forth with them. We just want to make sure that we're there and we can support them. And maybe that's all you do is you let them know I'm here if you need help. And then you just walk away and let them come to you because really we don't want to start 
start to escalate their frustration and have them really engage in that back and forth. We don't want that to happen. So if you read the situation, if you're reading the room and you see that you have a student that is frustrated or upset, I would really give them time and space, potentially prompt a coping skill. Hopefully you're teaching coping skills up front and you're really reinforcing and reviewing those concepts consistently in your classroom so students know how to build those skills and they know when to engage in those coping strategies. So if they do become frustrated, they are able to calm themselves and you're able to address the situation with them later. The second strategy I have for you is to determine if the situation is worth a discussion or quote unquote, pick your battles. This can be hard, but we as teachers need to be flexible and if a student is engaging in a behavior that is not dangerous to themselves or others, and not so disruptive that others can access their learning time and experiences, do we really want to get in a back and forth with students? Think about a situation in which a student is singing a song at their desk while they're working. Could that be disruptive? Yeah, of course that could be disruptive. But you, as the adult, assess the situation and find that it's not that disruptive and other students can continue to work. Because you've built strong relationships with your students and you know your students pretty well, you might know that if you prompt the student to stop singing, they might do the opposite of that and sing louder. And maybe that's for an attention function or a quote-unquote connection-seeking function. So maybe just let them sing for right now. Here's the key. Address the situation later. You do not always have to address the situation in the moment. That student might be singing the song to calm themselves or to get the attention of you or other adults or that connection with you and other adults. Addressing it later looks like when the student is engaging in appropriate behavior, going over them and praising their appropriate behavior. Then you might ask them why they were singing and have a conversation about how they can choose to sing at choice time or in a break, but singing while others are working can be really distracting. If the student says that singing helps them concentrate, then maybe we find a workspace where they can sing quietly to themselves and work. Make a plan for that singing behavior. Then if it occurs again, prompt them for engagement in that plan and immediately reinforce that appropriate behavior as they initiate that plan. The takeaway for this recommendation is to engage when it is absolutely needed and avoid engaging if it's not necessary right in that moment. Having a relationship with a student goes a long way with this as well. Knowing your students and being able to have conversations with them goes a really, really long way. Again, in the moment, a student might be engaging in a behavior that's not super disruptive, that's not super distracting, but because it could be disruptive or it could be distracting, again, like if a student is singing while everyone else is working independently, yeah, that can be distracting to other students, but instead of prompting them to say stop singing or don't do that, they might become upset in that situation and then they might get in that back and forth power struggle with you. They might sing louder. Again, if they're looking for attention or connection, it might be better to leave it alone for a little bit and then address the situation later when they're engaging in a really appropriate behavior, provide that attention and connection when they're engaging in something appropriate and then just have a conversation around it. They might tell you that singing really helps them or they might tell you I was bored and I wanted to sing or they might tell you something else and then you can make a plan around that. You can say, hey, next time you're bored, you can ask me for this. Or if singing helps you concentrate, let's find a spot that you can sing that won't be as distracting to others. Or maybe let them listen to music when they're working. You can really develop a plan, but having that conversation when that behavior has 
ended is really, really helpful because in that moment, if you're talking about the behavior, it could lead to a power struggle. And since you know your students because you've built really strong relationships with your students, you can really assess the situation. You might know that some students, if you prompt them to stop singing, they might be like, okay, I'll stop singing. Or with other students that might increase other undesired behaviors that we don't want to necessarily see. So again, read the situation, read the room, have a really strong relationships with your students so that you're able to assess these situations and utilize these strategies as they fit with each different situation. The third thing that you can do is teach appropriate responses to not getting what you want in that moment. You can do this with your whole class or a small group. All you have to do is teach and model an appropriate response to not getting what you want. You can provide students with as many examples as you want and you can have them act out and role play these different examples of what appropriate behaviors they can engage in if they don't get what they want. Teaching the skill explicitly and then prompting an appropriate response can really help set the stage for success in a variety of different situations. The key to this strategy is that we're teaching the skill before the situation happens. So we're really teaching and reinforcing the skill in our classroom of, if I don't get what I want, these are the behaviors that I can engage in. And when you are in a situation where you have to tell a student, no, we can't go to gym right now, or no, you can't have the iPad, they're able to tolerate that not getting what they want, engage in an appropriate behavior, and you're able to really reinforce that appropriate behavior. Because we really have to teach our students the skills that we're not always going to get what we want right when we ask for it, right? That's a really important skill that we can really teach explicitly and that can really help avoid a power struggle, right? So we see a lot of power struggles around not getting what we want. So if a student asks for the iPad, but they can't have the iPad right then and there, there might be a power struggle back and forth in that moment of why can't I have it? And a teacher responding, you know, it's not charged, but why can't you charge it? And just going back and forth. And we don't want to get into that situation because power struggles can go on for a long time and they can cause behaviors to escalate and we don't want that to happen. So if we're teaching a response up front, we're teaching students to tolerate, I don't always get what I want and they can engage in an appropriate response to that, then we're able to really reinforce that skill in our classroom. The fourth thing you can do is build momentum. This is a concept in ABA called behavioral momentum in which we're building on the success of a student. So if you know that a student struggles with a transition or engaging in a particular activity, build up success first. You can ask the student to engage in tasks that you know that they can be successful with first. Say you have a student who struggles with transitioning from a preferred to a non-preferred activity. You can ask the student to complete something you know they can do or like to do first, like pass out papers or hand out materials or get a drink of water or answer some basic questions about a topic. These are things that if a student engages in them readily and fluently can build on the momentum into a less preferred task. You can also start off with tasks related to that non-preferred task that you know the student can complete fluently. What this really does is set the student up for success, right? We're building on that momentum. We're allowing the student to be really, really successful as we lead into that non-preferred task. So if you have a lot of power struggles around transitions or students really struggle with going from preferred to non-preferred task, if you utilize this and build up on momentum, there's a less likelihood that you're going to get in that power struggle of we have to do this now and the student resisting and saying, no, I don't want to do that. And you saying, well, you don't have a choice. We have to do math now. And the student just going back and forth, back and forth, because one, that feeds into an escape function, right? If they can keep you on the hook long enough, they're going to keep going with that because they don't have to engage in that non-preferred activity. Where 
where if we utilize behavioral momentum and we're really building on student success and we're really building that momentum, there's a higher likelihood that they'll engage in that non-preferred activity and we're able to really reinforce that, oh, I'm so glad that you came over and we're working on our math. And then you can really reinforce that with breaks as the math task goes along. And when then we're building on that academic stamina, there's just so many things that we can really use this strategy for. It is such a useful strategy in classrooms. And lastly, the fifth thing you can do is use visuals as much as possible. This really pertains to situations in which a student is elevated. Again, like we talked about in the first situation. Providing verbal requests can frustrate a student and they can lead right into a power struggle. Use visuals to prompt the student so they can process that information you are requesting. Also, give wait and processing time between prompts so the student has time to engage in that behavior. What I want you to take away from this is that you have all the control to avoid and eliminate power struggles in your classroom. As the adult, you can choose to not engage in that back and forth behavior. Strategy one is best for that as we can work to give students time to engage in a calm down strategy before we process a situation with them. The key is to avoid them before they start by setting yourself and the students up for success. That's all that I have for you today. I hope that these five strategies are useful to you in your classroom. If you have any questions about power struggles, feel free to follow me over on Instagram at teaching behavior together and send me a message. I would love to have further discussions on this topic. I really hope that this episode was helpful. And if you found these strategies useful, if you can leave a rating or review, that would be so, so helpful to me. It helps other teachers find these episodes and find this podcast in general. If you have any questions about behavioral and social emotional learning in general, again, follow me over on Instagram and I'd be happy to have a discussion with you about anything. Thank you again so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it and have a great rest of the day.